I'm a real believer, even to today, that you, you have to do what you love and love what you do. And I did not like being in sales. Sales was hard. Like sales is still hard. I have an appreciation for the people who choose that vocation in life, but I knew pretty quickly it wasn't for me. What was for me though, was the part that existed around sales, which was that supporting aspect, the data, the systems, the process, the governance, the forecasting, all of those things, super interesting to me. This is your host, Neha. In this podcast, I interview incredible sales leaders to learn not only about the journey and mantra of success, but the challenges and experiences that shape them into the leader they are today. Really happy to have the head of RevOps at 1Password, Navin Persaud, on this episode. Hope you enjoy. Hi, Navin. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. I want to start from the beginning. So I know you graduated from University of Toronto and you graduated in political science, sociology. How did you start in sales? How was that journey like? Yeah, wow. It feels like so long ago. Um, I wanted to be a lawyer. uh, So I went to university to, you know, to get to that path. Yeah. Uh, I took a year off and um, a company by the name of IBM hired me. Right, and that sort of changed my my destiny of you know where I was going to be, um, moving into a, a corporate environment, and understanding the opportunity that would be there as opposed to going to school again for another four to five years. Right. Uh, so I, I I opened that door and I walked through it, and um, I'm actually glad that I did. Nice. Okay. Yeah, because um, you were at IBM for 15 years. And uh, you re- went in as a sales rep, but you quickly moved into operations. Yes. I'm very interested in, in knowing what is the difference between those roles? How are they different and how are they overlap? And how does one know whether, you know, they're, they're cut out to be a rep or, or not, whether they're more interested in operations like yourself? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a real believer, even to today, that you, you have to do what you love and love what you do. And I did not like being in sales. Sales was hard. Like, sales is still hard. I have an appreciation for the people who choose that vocation in life. But I knew pretty quickly it wasn't for me. What was for me, though, was the part that existed around sales, which was that supporting aspect, the data, the systems, the process, the governance, the forecasting, all of those things, super interesting. And any of those things that could help the person in the sales role be better, Mm -hmm. that's the part that I really enjoyed. But getting on the phone and asking the customer to part with their money in exchange for goods or service, that takes a different personality and not one that was very comfortable for me. So you would say that there's not much overlap, I think, in these two, because you're saying like operations are supporting the sales be better. Yeah, I would say, though, that if you were in an operations role supporting sales teams, it would be beneficial to you to know how the sales process works and how hard selling is. Right. Too often, you know, there are operations people who who build process and design and data that is great for those ends, but not exactly 
helpful for the people mm-hmm. in a sales role. And where I found the, the best success in my career is coming into any role and immediately working with sales teams to help them understand, I know you have a hard job. Right. And I'm going to help you. And here's the thing I'm going to ask you to do so that we are both successful. And that approach has always, always been better than I'm going to create 12 steps and you're going to do them all. Yeah. And that will help me be a better ops person. That's never successful. Okay. So your journey in as a rep really gave you a step up on understanding the sales role and how the operations can really help support. So at IBM, you were into server and storage. And then um, what what would you say were like your learnings in IBM? Working in a corporate culture exposes you to such a stark contrast to working at like a startup. You have defined roles and hierarchy and specialization and specific process to the point where sometimes there's too much of it. But I I liken it to almost like being in university in that, you know, you were, you were very structured. There was like, there was a path and you had to follow it. Whereas sometimes I feel like, um, you know, being at smaller companies, it's more like elementary school. (laughs) And sometimes you just have to do a bunch of things to get it done. And you have to know that like, if you're coming from a corporate environment, like the things that you are known and are like, so have such a strong use for and understanding, that's not going to be the way, like once you leave a corporate structure, there are things going to be like, you're just going to have to go figure them out. To me, it was great. And the the contrast was the best learning point because once I moved away from like a corporate environment, I really had an opportunity to expose myself to a broader set of learning, something that I really didn't have an opportunity even through my own desire to do so because you're such a big company. There's so much specialization. You're being tasked to do a specific thing and sort of like remain in that box. Whereas once you leave that, you have to wear a lot of hats and you're going to be forced to learn things, do things um, and, you know, grow as a result. So your first job in SaaS was at Vision Critical. That was a startup, I'm guessing. Yeah, small enough. Uh, How 500 many people? employees maybe when I started, yeah. Were they still in pre-IPO? Pre-IPO, yeah. Um, my first role uh, outside of like the corporate structure, first role in SaaS, um, first opportunity to like lead the direction of a CRM platform to build process, to really work with like the SDR team, the sales team, and really understand the full cycle of SaaS with customer success on the back end support and all of those normal KPIs that, you know, we're still tracking to these days in SaaS. Uh, I spent just over three years there and it's probably the best time spent in learning the business by doing it, by building a team and then elevating through multiple roles. Yeah, um, you grew into VP of sales and marketing of operations there. You were reporting uh, to the CRO within three years. So moving from IBM to a SaaS company, from a big company to a small one, what were you, would you say? I know you said you grew a lot and there's a lot to grow, but can you share some of the challenges yeah, so, that and what went through your mind during that transition? Yeah, yeah. three big ones for me. So managing people or managing teams or managing expectations. 
there's a lot of managing that goes along when you move into a startup. In my particular role, I had to build a team where one didn't exist. And then I had to build expectations mm-hmm. because the minute, minute I landed there, uh, a lot of people yeah. had ideas and thoughts and things they wanted to do to make the process and the engine move quickly. And it meant right. a lot of you know design and change and almost acting as like the translator, the person who understood what the sales process looks like, taking it to the technical teams to build the thing that the salespeople would use. Um, managing and building teams also um, super important. Um, putting together a team that you know can work both independently but also take really strong direction. Um, it's one of the things I'm actually really proud of. I think at least three or four people that um, you know I hired during that time have since gone on to become like SaaS managers of operations functions at other companies, which is absolutely amazing. Um, driving outcomes is another big one. As you as I sort of progressed in that uh, role at Vision Critical. Um, were just things that needed to be done. And you were in a smaller company and you literally had to take, you know, take the reins of that horse and drive through the execution, even into areas that weren't directly within your scope, but almost like project managing the thing and the deliverable through so you could get the piece of value out of it that you needed to fix the problem that you initially addressed. And then lastly, um, and this comes from like having some sales experience, but it's the art of negotiation. As a seller, you're negotiating externally. You have a customer on the phone. You're trying to convince them to buy your offering or to sign today. But in an operations role, you are constantly negotiating internally with stakeholders, with IT teams, with vendors to be able to deliver a thing that drives an outcome for your business. So the negotiation never goes away. It's always there. And having that skill set born from a sales role into an ops role was a was was a great thing, but it was still a challenge to sort of adopt to the multiple parties that you would constantly be, be trading back and forth roles with. That's so interesting that you mentioned how how much of art of negotiation can also be required internally. And as a leader, especially, I think when you have to align multiple teams and make sure that everybody's on the same page and that you're all thinking about the company's growth, right? Yeah, you have to ruthlessly prioritize and doing so forces you to negotiate trade-offs, right? You can't do everything. Yeah. Like the, the ops person who tries to do everything will do nothing. Uh, that's just generally yeah. how it works. But the, 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 the ability for a, like an ops leader to really work closely with stakeholders and really get down to the, the core deliverables that will impact their business you know, that's when you can, you know, move outcomes. I'm sure the sales cycles were very different in IBM and uh, Vision Critical. Did you find your role in operations also, your deliverables also changing because of that? I think in an operations role, when you look at the sales process and the teams, your, your job should be to, wherever possible, identify and eliminate friction. Um, and if you're able to do that, you can bring the sales teams on your side you can establish street cred with the team so that they would then trust you to make decisions that they know will be in the best interest of their teams making their quota. Um, but yeah, they were, they were immensely different. But the, the pace yeah, at, at a startup or a startup-like company 
is what is the most um, exciting thing and the, and the scariest thing all at once because y- you move so quickly. You move quickly on projects and decisions on, you know, um, your volumes, like everything. Uh, you're always concerned. You're always conscious of running out of time to get to your targets, to meet your expectations. Whereas in, in more of a corporate structure, there's it's, it's not the same pace. It is slower. Yeah. It, the expectations are managed. You know, performances are smoothed out. It's it is a completely different thing. Like it's it's sort of like we're in it for the long haul. Whereas in SaaS, you're like, you know, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, right. Since Vision Critical, since your first SaaS company, you've been at a couple of different companies, and now uh, you're at head of operations at One Password, and. Uh, one password, as I understand, they have a B two B and a B two C product. So, is that is this the first time where uh, you're at a company which has a B two B and B two C, or and does that have any sort of challenges or differences for you as uh, head of operations? For software company, yes, that that sort of has the duality of customer base, right? B two C and B two B. So, yes to that question. In terms of challenges, uh, while I'm primarily focused on the B2B side, um, the B2C side is incredibly interesting to me. Um, It is an opportunity to learn the pulse of that business, how we market and acquire customers, and how we could potential leverage um, the insights of how that business perform and try to understand how it can help influence a B2B business. Um, Absolutely a challenge. But um, one that you know I, I relish to learn more about as I, as I progress in my career here. Yeah, it looks like um, you're just so interested in always keep learning. Yeah, I think that's probably one of your. Yeah, it, it is. Like if and, and something in my career, if I'm ever in a role where I'm not learning, it's probably time to move to a new role um, because then you risk you run the risk of complacency. And that's, that's the scariest thing in your career right. to just kind of be like, you know, putting in the nine to five and not really learning and not really getting anything out of it because then that's not going to help you for the time when you do need to move or want to move. Yeah. So tell me about what do you do to keep up with this learning? Do you, uh, do you read a lot? Do you have any uh, books that you recommend or uh, any podcasts that you that you listen to or any people you follow blogs just wondering how a leader you know knows where to go next and how do you sort of keep yourself up to date you know because there's so much work that goes in in your entire day so how do you take out time yeah i'll take the abc acronym acronym that the sales teams use and i'll say it's always be curious um and since I got to SaaS, it was like, here, just work on this area, the, like the, the business side of sales, and then eventually grow that circle into the, like the customer success and support, then eventually grow that into like, what are the other operations functions? And I've gotten to a point where I feel as though I have a pretty good understanding of what both good and bad look like at SaaS companies and what the core functions in each department should be doing and delivering. But that was through curiosity of understanding like, how do those functions and areas work? What are important? How do they, how do they all tie together to get us to our, our goals? Um, and it's, it's, the, it's the thing that I've always like, 
like gravitated to as I joined a new company. It's immediately understand the core business, immediately understand the gaps in the thing I need to solve right away, but then start opening lines of communications and understanding of the areas around operations and the direct function to help identify either upcycle or downcycle areas of friction that the overall business may not be aware of and bringing those forward, highlighting them, putting like some insight behind it so people understand why we need to change it so that we can do better and how it impacts the, the, the overall flywheel. So curiosity is my, it's like my superpower. I'd say one, I do some reading. I'm, I'm a bit challenged for time. I, I, I try to also disconnect. I find that um, for people who can, and sometimes I can't, disconnecting from work is when your best ideas come up. It's like if you can step away, I feel like the times that I've stepped away from my screens or from my phone and I'm not thinking about work is when this amazing idea will pop into my head about a thing to try, a thing to do, or you know some learning. And I find that too, mu- too often we spend too much of our time consuming content that we don't spend enough time letting that content just like simmer and come up with the, you know, the next thing to go solve. Yeah, that's a good, that's a great point. Actually, there's so much information and we're always overloaded with information and I guess we don't process it. Since we first talked, you're now a customer of BoostUp and I'm so excited about that. I wanted to know what were the challenges that you were looking to solve when before you evaluated BoostUp? I know it might be soon, but uh, how do you most use it right now? And how do you think it's going to play a part in your success? Yeah, um, and I think a lot of companies face this um, who are on Salesforce and trying to figure out their weekly, monthly, quarterly forecasts. They're either doing it in spreadsheets or they're spending a lot of time trying to assess it and reporting as to like what's happening in their forecast. And really the impetus there was I was just spending way too much time trying to figure out where we were each week, each month, each quarter with regards to our forecasts and our overall performance. And then to the point where I was a bottleneck for the teams because they would wait to see what I would say and or deliver and then take action. Um, right. Since Boost Up has come along, I, I'm using it as an extension of myself to say, here's the data now. It's very simple to look at it to pull it up, to understand your performance, and to understand what's changed since the last time you've looked so that you can now take that down to your teams and do the right level of coaching, understand rep performance, and really then come back to me with a better view of your forecast in your business rather than it me be telling you that. And that's the thing to unlock on, on our journey here is really empowering our frontline sales leaders to, to own and manage and understand the the ups and downs of their own business so that they can confidently you know tell it like it is one way or another at what point is the team big enough that starts to become a bottleneck yeah i think when i started we weren't even um we didn't have a mature process and i knew that before i could adopt uh, a system of record to solve for this i needed to focus on the data itself you know, whether we were capturing what we needed to capture in our CRM, whether it was accurate, whether I had enough business process in place to ensure the data would remain accurate, 
before I could sit something on top of it to pull out that insight, help me understand the, the, the direction of our business. So building a foundation was important in year one. Year two for me in an operations role as I'm in now is to take the, the foundation we've built on, the data we've collected, and turn it into insight and share it back into the business so that we could quickly pivot um, to change you know, the course of how we're performing or double down in areas where we're performing really well. Changing gears a little bit, what would be your advice to folks building a RevOps team? To folks who may be listening to this and are either on an ops team or building out one, I think um, you know as you're hiring or you're looking for personas, you know, you know, give an opportunity to the folks who are transitioning from a sales role and are looking to make that first step into an ops role. You'll find some incredible insight there. You'll find some ground level what's happening. Um, it, it's it's not always that you have to hire an ops person. Uh, ops people come from a variety of backgrounds, and the ones closest to the areas that you're facing challenges with generally are the ones that will onboard faster, that will help you deliver results faster. And if they're coming from within, already know how you know one part of the business already functions. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Um, what, what are the qualities that you look for when you're hiring an operations person? In your Curiosity team. absolutely needs to be curious. She needs to ask, he or she needs to ask the right level of questions. Someone who isn't afraid to voice an opinion. Um, if I'm the only one ever speaking in a meeting, or if I'm always the one who has to be right, I'm in the wrong meetings. Like, I really need people to be able to, like, tell me how it is, good or bad. I want to understand it so that we can work through it or figure out the root cause and solve those things. So, you know, don't 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 keep those thoughts in your head. Like share them. Wanting to be, you know, uh, open lines of communication. Um, lastly, um, have the right level of expectation. You're coming in. In most cases, in SaaS, you're coming in and joining. You know, companies that don't have things well defined. You may have come from a company that has, but you may be joining one that doesn't. Um, learn why it is the way it is and make incremental step improvements. Don't try and burn it to the ground when you start, but, you know, <laughs> shift from there. And I think, you know, those are the, like the attributes, like the patience, the curiosity and sort of that outgoing spirited nature. Those are three areas that, you know, I look for in, in people when hiring. You mentioned a lot about how you deal with data. And I wonder whether you also look for that in the people you hire and how would you know I think it's always tricky in the interview process to to understand. Like you can look at someone's resume, you can talk to people who they work with, but it, it all boils down to I think the way that people carry themselves in an interview and the the breadth and depth at which they decide to answer your questions with. I generally pose like interviewing questions to help me understand how you would solve a problem from end to end, not just like how would you solve this particular problem. But how would you have gone about identifying that it is a problem? Who would you work with to solve the problem? How would you enable you know, your solution across the teams? And then how would you measure to understand success? I think people who can answer questions more of a full spectrum type of response rather than just like, you know, if you're doing a math equation, you just gave me the answer. I'm not sure if you knew how to get to that answer. Very cool. 
So in closing, I think I just want, uh, want to ask you if you want to summarize uh, about your journey. Mention your mantra or mantras of success. Sales is hard. Ops is cool. And my mantra is accountability through visibility. Would you like to expand? Sure. Uh, I believe as though uh, if you have any KPIs in your business that people are responsible for, the only way that you're going to move the needle towards success is if you ensure that everyone is really clear on where they are at any given moment towards those KPIs. Making it incredibly visible makes people incredibly accountable. Yeah, beautiful. How do you do that? How do you make the KPIs visible? Um, you consider boost up as your <laughs> forecast. Uh, thanks, Navin. It was great to have you. Great. Thanks a lot for having me. I hope, like me, you found this story inspiring, relatable, and gave you some frameworks that'll help you become a great leader, handle that stress at work, manage that challenge or struggle, and overall develop that growth mindset of true leaders. Thank you for listening and have a great day.